Hello and welcome to Solutions. This is our ninth podcast for solution-focused hypnotherapists. I'm Cathy Eland. I'm Trevor Edmonds and we're both experienced solution-focused hypnotherapists. Today we're taking a look at the miracle question. So let's start by doing the miracle question as it was originally formulated. That way everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. I have a strange, perhaps unusual question, a question that takes some imagination. Here you pause and you wait for some sort of signal to go ahead with the question. Suppose. Okay, you're pausing again and this pause allows clients to wonder what strange and difficult thing you might be asking them to suppose. So after we finish here, You go home tonight, watch TV, do your usual chores, etc. And then go to bed and sleep. Again, another pause. All sounds pretty normal, everyday stuff. So not so strange after all. And while you are sleeping, a miracle happens. Another pause. The context for this miracle is the client's normal everyday life. The construction allows for any kind of fantasy wishing. And the problems that brought you here are solved just like that. Yeah, another pause. Now the focus is on one particular miracle that is in line with his or her coming to therapy. But this happens while you're sleeping, so you can't know that it has happened. Okay, another pause. This is designed to allow the client to construct his or her miracle without any consideration of the problem and without any consideration of the steps that might have been involved. And once you wake up in the morning, A, how will you go about discovering that this miracle has happened to you? Or B, how will your best friend know that this miracle has happened to you? Wait, the therapist should not interrupt this silence. It's the client's turn to talk, to answer the question. If clients' response is unreasonable in the therapist's view, the therapist's most useful response is to continue their silence, which gives the client a chance to fix the response to make it more reasonable. Okay, so that's how it was done originally, and we'll come back to that in a moment. But I guess the question that many therapists have at the back of their mind is, why are we asking the miracle question? What's the point? Yeah, I think there are really two answers to that question. Firstly, it may well be the first time the client has ever visualised the time when they don't have their problem. They may well always be focused on the problem and not on the solution. Suddenly for them, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. They get to visualise the possibility of there being some change in their life, that things can be different. Once they've pictured that change, they can work towards it. Secondly, there's the issue of ownership of the solution. What I mean by that is, if I give my clients some advice, even really good advice, they don't own it. It's not part of them. Whereas if they visualize themselves without their particular issue, they have agency in making the changes needed. And they can internalise their own ideas. They own it. And that means they are very likely to make the changes to achieve their goal. 
In fact, in SFBT, the therapist doesn't have to act as if they know the answer to everything. Quite the reverse. They take a not knowing stance and help the client to achieve their goals. That's fascinating. So simply, because it is a simple question, but not necessarily easy, forgive me for my negative indulgence, but the miracle question provides a golden opportunity for the client to identify how they would feel and ultimately what actions they can take if things were different. It may not be the entire solution to their problem. It might just be a step on the way. But it clearly signposts for them that change is possible and they have the ability to bring about this change. Clients can benefit from acting as if something were true. Of course, there are follow-up questions and we'll talk about those in a minute. It's sometimes a miracle question is the first time that clients have ever thought about behaving in a different way and how that different behaviour can affect the people around them. We can also take their new ways of behaving and use that as a kind of reframe rehearsal to use with them on the couch. That allows them to practice their new behaviour and start firing those neurons together. Okay, Trevor, so tell me a little about the history of the miracle question. Yeah, okay, well, Milton Erickson, who I'm sure you've heard of, used the version of it. His technique was to ask his client to look into the future and see themselves as they wanted to be, problem solved, and then to explain what had happened to cause this change to come about. Erickson sometimes went on to ask clients to think of a future, then work backwards, asking them what had happened at various points on the way. Erickson might ask the client to picture one or more crystal balls in front of them, and then to see scenes or a short movie clip on these crystal balls of themselves in the future when the problem is over. And Bill O'Hanlon, who cl- worked closely with Erickson, came up with other ways of getting a client to look to a future without the problem. For example, a time machine, a crystal ball, a rainbow bridge, and my favourite, a letter from a future self. In one version, he would say, let's say that a few weeks or months of time have elapsed and your problem has resolved. If you and I were to watch a videotape of your future, what would you be doing on the tape that would show you that things were better? O'Hanlon called his less structured approach solution-oriented therapy and possibility therapy. But of course, it was Steve DeShazza and his wife, Insu Kimberg, who are credited with originating the miracle question that we use today. There's a story that Insu was working with a client who was a suicidal lady with an alcoholic husband and four wild children who gave her nothing but grief. The client was asked to describe her future life without the problem that she was dealing with. The client said, well, that would take a miracle. And that's where the idea of a miracle question came from. And I suppose the purpose of the miracle question, the metaphor, is to overcome the client's sense of hopelessness, as with a miracle, they can do anything. And another feature about this miracle device is that it does not locate the power with the therapist. This has its advantages over the magic wand that tends to be weighed by the therapist because it's good to keep the paranormal out of the picture. 
Right, yes. Um, so here's a short version of the miracle question. If a miracle happened tonight and you woke up tomorrow and your problem was solved, what would be the first sign that this had occurred? And some follow-up questions to that might be, so what would be different? What would you be doing differently? Where would you be doing it? And what else would be different after the miracle? Yeah, and you can ask, who would notice the change in you? What would they notice? How would they feel? How would they respond to you? And how would you then respond to them? What small step would be a sign of moving in the right direction or being on the right track? Imagine a day is going well for you. How would you know that that day is going well? Yes. I just wanted to add that the answer to the who would notice question could well be a pet rather than a person. It doesn't matter. Yes, and that's often the dog. And the other point is that we're looking for a doing picture. The client has to see themselves doing something. I had a supervisee who asked me how far through the day should you go with the miracle question? Or not very far. The change should be happening from the moment they wake up. Once they are telling you what they're doing or what they're be, how they're behaving differently, that's it. Job done. By associating the miracle question with scaling, you have a record of how the client is making progress between sessions. So should you use the miracle question at every session? Of course, yes. In anticipation of being asked... I think we know that our clients start to formulate the miracle question between the sessions. Yeah, I find with some people, they want what they came for, e.g. to give a presentation confidently. And they give the same answer every time. So I don't ask it at every session with them. I do ask it every now and again, though, because often people move the goalposts and change what it is that they want from hypnotherapy. That is true. And I find that people get better answering the question once they've been away, thought about it, and actually visualise the day after the miracle. And that's what we want them to do, because the chained version of themselves, we want them to see it in their minds. Their goal may well be more realistic as the weeks pass compared to the goals stated initially by the client. And we've talked about at the beginning what that value of silence and letting the client come up with the appropriate answer. Do you have any other strategies? I had a lady whose answer was that her son would be alive again. And although I paused, she reaffirmed that she would hear him singing in the shower. So I said that the answer would be a 10 on the scale of 1 to 10 and asked what might be an 8 out of 10. What would that look like? Uh, and she did. She answered that. Or um, you could ask, um, what would be happening if things were just a bit better? Or if the client says they'd have won the lottery, you can ask them what they imagine it would be like if they had. And from that, you can help the client to identify goals that are achievable without the big lottery win. But what if the client's miracle is illegal or unethical or, or just plain wrong? Again, this can be used as a starting point for a discussion about what changes the client would have to make to achieve their goal and what alternatives might work for them 
just as well. And sometimes the client simply seems unable to picture the future. They can't think what might be better. And in that case, the therapist can ask the client to identify a time in the past when things were better. Follow-up questions might be asked. What was happening then? Is there anything that you or others did then that you can repeat now? Another way around the block is to get them to write a letter to their current selves from their future selves. I think that's brilliant. Um, sometimes a miracle may be that someone else changes their behaviour. How do you respond to that? Well, there are some questions that you can ask, such as, what will you be doing when they start to behave that way? Demonstrate you have noticed their change and encourage them to behave that way more. And can you pretend that they are already doing what you wish and begin to behave in that way? Often answers will be in terms of the problem. For example, I won't be feeling depressed. And that's fine because we can be moving them on to what they will be doing. Should you always ask exactly the same miracle question? Some people say definitely yes. Some people say no. There are some alternatives that can be used. For example, with children, it's usually easiest to ask Suppose I have a magic wand and by waving my wand, I could make this problem disappear just like that. And the therapist waves their invisible magic wand. And as you go back to school or your family, how would you notice that the magic is working? Yes, I mean, we are into magic, but a finger snap or magic potion, they work just as well as a magic wand. Could suggest to a client that they imagine that you meet them in two months' time when all the positive changes have been made. What would they be saying to you was different? The sophisticated element of the miracle question is that clients who have been almost exclusively thinking about their particular problem and how insoluble it is, how difficult their life is, are now able to visualize life after the problem has been dealt with. And that means the client doesn't need to worry about how they're going to make changes in their life, just what it will be like when they have. And it overcomes catastrophizing, all or nothing thinking, overgeneralization, jumping to conclusions, and a range of other cognitive distortions that CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, has identified. Having started thinking about life without the problem means the client can begin to come up with strategies that will make their miracle future start to come true. As Steve DeShazza and Dolan in 2007 point out, that deep visualisation can evoke emotional processing that gives people a virtual experience of the miracle occurring. This can bring a sense of closeness to the solution. Genius. Using appropriate questions, the therapist needs to help them visualise this new life and start to make the first small steps to achieve it. Brilliant. And that's about it for this podcast. I hope we've given you some ideas about using the miracle question with your clients. So it's a very goodbye from me, Cathy Eland. And it's goodbye from me, Trevor Edwards. See you next time. Bye. Bye.